I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about this episode of Beauty Bosses because we have the amazing Sharifa Murdoch, who is co-founder of Liberty Fairs, and she's also the person who's helped to launch tons of awesome progress and brands and innovators and in the world of fashion. Yes. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to start by having you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Shri from Murdoch. Um, I own, I am a co-owner of now three fashion trade shows, which is interesting. Um, myself and my partner, Sam, basically started Liberty uh, five years ago. And we also then um, just recently acquired another show called Capsule, um, which is a women's fashion trade show now. And we also have a show now called Cabana, which is a swimwear show in Miami. So my daily schedule is very, very busy. And I'm now launching a whole entire new festival in October called Envision Fest. Oh my God. Yeah. So you have a couple of things going on. Yes. Um, but let's rewind. So okay. you didn't start out as this fashion mogul no. entrepreneur. You started Absolutely. out um, just as a mere mortal like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. um, so um, tell us about kind of back in the day. Did you um, have inklings of becoming um, this big force way back when you were in school? Well, honestly, when I was younger, I wanted to be a dancer. And that was like the thing, right? I, I grew up working in a retail store called Atrium, which Sam, my business partner now, used to own. And, you know, all the the rappers and everyone would come in and I used to love to dance and I wanted to be a dancer. And then I was like, my parents are not going to go for that. And Sam so happened to like say, hey, we're going to launch this thing and I want you to come. At the time, I had left Atrium and I was working at Louis Vuitton. I always loved fashion. Um, I loved getting dressed up. I, I loved like just going in stores and like seeing what was new, even though I didn't have the money to buy it. I loved everything about fashion. So working. Well, mm -hmm. What was your first big, like special investment piece that you ever oh my bought? God. So I started working at Louis Vuitton uh -huh. and my first bag was Alma. Like that was the bag. And I have like probably four of them right now. That would always be my classic Louis Vuitton bag. That was my first, first, first purchase ever. That was like, Oh my God, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. Okay, um, so go back to your story now. So I was working at Louis Vuitton. I had built their whole um, repair department, and I did all their customer service for them, and they were building an office at the 50... They were building that new Fifth Avenue store at the time. And Sam called, and he's like, hey, everyone's coming back to Atrium to work. And everyone that worked in Atrium, there's always a joke that they worked there twice. And I was like, I don't want to come back to be a salesperson because I was a salesperson before. And he was like, just come back. I'll find something for you to do. And I was like, all right, because I trusted him. Um, I left Louis Vuitton, went to work at the store again. And a couple months later, he was just like, I'm starting this thing. It's called Project. And I was like, he's like, it's a trade show. And I was like, what's a trade show? I was like 23 or 22 years old. And I remember him saying, just call these people, tell them I want them to do my show. And I was like, they're not going to listen to me. You know, I'm a young girl. Nobody cares who I am. And at the time, Atrium was the store, the hottest store in New York. And everyone was in there. Like, all the brands wanted to be in there that wasn't in there. So he had that leg to, like, 
basically get the brands in there. So we started with like 67 brands in 2003, I would say. And then a bigger company um, at the time, it was called, I think it was Advanced Star. They approached us to buy a project. And of course, I'm still young and having fun. Like, you have to imagine, I'm like a 20, I'm from Brooklyn, young girl growing up, was happy to just have a job. <laughs> and it was just like, hey, we want to buy this company. And Sam's like, okay, we're going to sell the company. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, why not have a job still? He was like, trust me, you're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and of course, this company came and they bought it. And it was good in the beginning. Like, And then it just, you know, sometimes when bigger companies buy companies, it just dilutes it and make it, make it not interesting anymore, not compelling. So then I just wanted to leave after a while. So I stayed on for two more years after we got bought and then I left. And then... Sam came again and was like, hey, let's do another trade show. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he was like, no, we're going to be partners on it. Let's do this. And I was like, okay, I could be a young girl working for someone, or I could be a young girl that owns her own business. And then I went in business with Sam. That's awesome. And I and Sam, it's so interesting. He's been a big, like, honestly, I always give credit to him because the achievements that I've made in my career, I would have never made it without him. And... um he always ceases to surprise me. Like, I've been working with Sam since I'm 16 years old, you know, and it's just been, that just shows how much of a person he is. So he was my mentor and now my business partner. So it's very interesting. And you know. well, I feel like that's a really important kind of take home point for, for people who are listening to this podcast, because a lot of times the people you meet and the, yeah. you know, professional relationships you develop along the way or personal relationships yeah can be more important than specific decisions. It's like so important because the people you meet could see something in you that you at that time don't see in yourself. And that was my situation. Like, you know, I always doubted like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then it was like, well, he made me, he just put me in the hot seat and was like, do this. So I had no choice but to do it. And he's not a micromanager where he's going to be like, yeah, let me check. He just let me go. And when I failed, he told me, get up and do it again and when I did great he cheered me on as a cheerleader so it was like in my I always believe that you need those people in your life like you need mentorship you need guidance and that's what's a big part of me and it's in my DNA now that I am that person now to mentor other young people so you have you really paid it forward a hundred percent I used to actually have a nonprofit called um the Brooklyn intern where I used to find young I honestly found all these young girls and they would just come and approach me and I would mentor them and then help them get jobs and help them get other internships in other places. Um, And that's what Envision now basically is. It's a live model of what the Brooklyn intern was. I want to educate and inspire the youth culture with real information. I feel like where we live right now, the world is so saturated with a lot of fluff and I want young girls to meet real people that are working really hard and that is achieving really good things and that can pave the way and show. And I want to I build a platform where women can connect and be really friendly. Like, it's funny. We always hire interns in our office. And when you see the, see the relationships that they develop in the office just from interning together, right, how amazing that can be. And when you see them five years from now still hanging out and taking pictures and going places and traveling the world. How amazing is that, that you made that connection? Yeah. It makes you feel so good. And that's what I want for Envision Fest. I want for people to know, like, you have to connect. I want women, I don't want when women go into the room with each other, they have to feel like it's a competition. Yeah, what do you think that is? That's actually, you know, I was going to 
go in a different direction, but let's mm-hmm. digress for a second and talk about that. What is the what is behind the girl-on-girl violence that we see all around us? And I don't mean literal violence. I sort of mean that queen bee mentality where women, when they're working together, sometimes try to tear each other down. I think it's just an insecurity. I think a lot of women now, now and before are just insecure. And I feel like with social media, it heightens it, right? So you look at someone's social media and you, you start to believe that the persona of that person on social media is what that is. So if you see someone on social media and then you meet them in person, they might not be as nice as you think they are on social media. Or they might be nice and you might think that they're not nice from social media. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's I a think super it's, curated it's version a of super life. It's a super curated life. And I think people don't really, a lot of young girls out there don't look at that that way. They think all this stuff is real. They feel like they want, it's like a competition all the time. And I want girls to stop competing with each other. I feel like if we can come together and work together, how amazing would that be? Like, I've worked with some amazing women. It's interesting because Sam, I, I am, I grew up in the menswear world, so I always worked with men's, and it was so great. I now have a women's show where I get to like talk to other women and meet other women, and it's amazing. Like I want that. I want that for young girls growing up because if they work together, we can be a powerhouse. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about. Um, kind of explain to our audience what Liberty Fairs is. So Liberty Fairs is a B2B. When I say B2B, I mean business-to-business trade show, fashion trade show. Basically, in like the easiest way to explain it, think of any designer that you may wear that is a contemporary brand. Let's just say Levi's. Let's say Coupe de Couples. Let's say Diesel, right? Let's say G-Star. Those brands come to me, and basically they need to build a booth and they want to purchase space on my floor to show buyers at Macy's, Nordstrom's, Dillard's, Bloomingdale's, whomever, and they show what they're having for next season. So that's what a trade show is, business-to-business relations. That's awesome. And yeah. um, what do you think the kind of coolest thing about working in the trade show space is? The coolest thing for me is travel. Like, I get to meet so much amazing people because now I'm – not only can we have the regular brands that everyone knows, but I have to now search for new brands and discover new brands. So I get to travel all over the world to do that. And how do you know that a brand has that spark or you that have to have factor? Eye. You have to have an eye. Yeah. You have to have an eye. You have to know the price point. You have to feel the quality. Like how we all shop online now, I can't do that with a show. I can look at a picture and a picture could be amazing. And then when you get, you get the clothing and you see the quality of like, oh, this is horrible. You have to have an eye. Yeah, that's so interesting because mm-hmm. I feel like so much um, commerce now is e-commerce oh and it's God. so driven by social media marketing and it things is, like 100%. that that I wonder if people have a disappointed feeling when they take home something. I think some people do yeah. and it depends on where they shop. I also believe that there is going to come a time again, like everything that goes up comes down. There is going to come a time again when people are going to want to enter into stores and have that feeling. Because I was a retail girl. Like, I loved going in stores and just experiencing retail. And I think that that's where the industry right now is in a big fade because they don't experience anything. People, the instant gratification that you would have gotten before, you're getting from online. That's cool. Yeah. One of the reasons I was so excited to meet you is that um, you see fashion in, in a way that not many people do because most people who work in fashion are 
sort of wedded to a certain brand or mm -hmm. they have a certain worldview. But you have this really unique role where you're extremely influential for fashion across the board and you yeah. see all different kinds of fashion. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think the next big things in fashion overall are? I think people are going to want to get dressed up more now. Like, oh, okay. I felt like we're, we, we went into this slump where people were wearing sweatpants every day. You see a lot of girls walking around with, like, workout clothes. Oh, yeah, athleisure. athleisure. and they're not even working out. I think that at some point, you're going to want to feel pretty again. You want to get dressed up. And there was a time when that was. And I think that that's just going to roll around again. I think people are going to want to get dressed up again. That's really that's cool. What are your favorite fashion staples? Like, what are your, you know, handful of items that you can't live without? Oh, my God. Jeans. Okay. You always need a good pair of jeans. Um, I do wear a lot of dresses. So, a dress and a white t-shirt. I can like always that. Do, Super classic. You can always, like, throw a white t-shirt on with, like, jeans and a pair of heels and look dressed up in some way. You could throw on a white t-shirt with jeans and a pair of sneakers and look dressed down. You can go anywhere with a white t-shirt on. You yeah, know, you could throw a blazer on or a cardigan over the white t-shirt. You could wear a white t-shirt in a million ways, and I think that that's probably the best thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to happen with the rise of e-commerce? Do you think that that's going to kill the traditional retail experience? Because a lot of people are talking about how the department store is dead. Well, I definitely i I should not agree, but I feel like. In order for you to have a store now, you have to have some sort of an activation or an experience, right? When you go in a store, if you're walking in stores and the employees think that they're better than you and they like kind of turn the neck when you come in, your store isn't going to work. People like to feel accepted. People like to feel. Think about when you go into a store, let's just say it be Chanel. Everyone's at your beck and call. Right? They want, mm -hmm. oh my God, can I help you? Do you need any help? Do you want some water? Do you want some, da, da, da. right? But then if you go into another store and the, everyone's kind of like with their head down there, they're on their phone, you're kind of like, I don't want to shop here because I don't have anything in common. When I walk into a store, I want to feel like, I don't, they don't have to like be on me, but I want, I want to feel accepted. I want to feel like these people want to help me. I want to go into a store, and if a shoe doesn't fit, someone says, you know what, but I may have this other thing that you like, right? Not just like, all right, it doesn't fit, all right, I'll just take it to the back. They need that customer service. People love customer service. And I think if you have a store that has that kind of customer service and that drive, you'll be successful. If you don't, you'll fail. Yeah, I've been really impressed and almost surprised by how customer service has been taken to the nth degree lately like I was oh, yeah. I walked into Chloe down the street mm -hmm. and got these shoes a little mm -hmm. while ago and they literally gave me an a, a little adorable espresso yeah. on like you know glassware with a little chocolate and a this and a that and like a million pairs of shoes in one second flat and you bought a pair of shoes and I bought a pair of shoes that's the gimmick like you have to <laughs> You, you have to overcompensate for the, like, that's what it has yeah. to be. If you went into Chloe and they ignored you and they were very nasty, you would have kind of walked out. Yeah. It's that's just hard reality. for retail, though. I mean, it sets the bar so high that mm -hmm. the, you know. Well, why not? But I think that that's great. Yeah, you I mean, I had set, a great experience. You have to, and you're yeah. talking about it, right? Like, yeah. you have to set the bar high. Not I okay feel that. like <laughs> you, you, no, you have to set the bar high because you're going in a store that is expensive and you are spending an ex exorbitant amount of money on shoes and you, 
you have to set that bar. Any store should do that. And it doesn't matter if it's cheap or if it's expensive, you have to set that bar. People are people. At the end of the day, however I treat you, you want to be treated back. And that's how people need to see themselves. Like, just because you're shopping in, you can be shopping in Chloe or H&M. I want to be treated the same, right? And someday, my H&M money might then equal trillions of Chloe money. But you still want to be treated as equal. Yeah, And I absolutely. think that that's what happens. I think that that's where right now we're failing in retail, is that people aren't hiring the right people. They have to find the right people to work in stores. You have to find people that are dedicated. What's it like being a woman executive in the world of fashion? It's interesting because the world of my fashion, I love it because I feel like I'm in my own box, right? I'm in this world where people know me, but I'm not, it's it's not like I'm a target of any sort. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They know what I do. They think it's great. Oh my God. But I'm not a target. And so me working in fashion, it's like, I get along with the men, I get along with the women. And I think that one thing has always stuck with me is I always want to be treated how I treat people. So I make sure to treat people in the most kindest ways. Like, I mean, I would hope that no one has anything bad to say about me because I think I treat everybody equally the same. And I think it's an amazing experience to be a woman in fashion, especially in today's fashion, because I get to dominate and, you know, say what my opinions are. I have a voice at the table. I have a seat at the table. I'm able to direct fashion in whatever way I can. People don't understand. The clothes that are out is something that I probably picked. Which is so cool. Which is so amazing. I know. Do you ever, like, have these moments where you're looking at women walking down the street or men? and you think, like... I did that. I did that. I, I did think that. about the I think about the brands that we launched at yeah. these trade shows, and I'm like, yes. What are some of the most recognizable brands that you are kind of responsible for popularizing? I remember I G Star, AG, all these brands are brands that we found. Um, it's so funny. A friend of mine just told me about a brand that was at my show a couple years ago, and they just got bought for like eight million dollars. And I was like, yes, like. That's Could awesome. you imagine? You made that happen. You like we didn't physically, but we but, but, introduced I mean, you, you the brand. The you give them the platform. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's that like made me feel so good. I was like, this is amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah. So there must be a lot of people trying to kind of get into your heart and mind because you obviously have figured out the little like the little formula it factor mm-hmm. for making it. Yeah. Do you get tons of PR packages and things like that? I get tons of calls and Instagram um, DMs like, hey, do you have time for a call? Do you have time for advice time? Do you have time? And I really answer them back. And then I have an assistant. Her name is Lucia. And she's like, Shrefa, you got to stop. Because I would never say no. Like someone will hit me up on Instagram and say, hey, can I just pick your room for 20 minutes? And I'm like, okay. And she's like, Shrefa, this, this, it's too many people. She's shaking her head in the background oh like, God. don't do that. It's like all the time. But it's, I have to pay it forward. Someone really gave like me it. an opportunity yeah. once upon a time when I knew nothing. I have to pay it forward and give them an opportunity. That's so amazing. Yeah. What's your advice to young people who are interested in doing what you do? I always say stay humble. Stay humble and make your mark. Like, I think. For young people now, it's a different world we live in, right? And they, some some may feel they don't have to work as hard. And I think that after everything is all said and done, 
your your working skills and your value is all dependent on you. Not social, not emails, not conversations. It all depends on you. And I always say stay humble, be nice to people, and just work hard. And set your tone. If you know that you don't like to do certain things, don't do things just to collect a check. Right? Because there's people out there that go to work every day. They're miserable. I always say you have one life to live. Right? I'm only going to be this age today at this time. I'm never going to get this day back. Why am I going to suffer through something I don't want to do? Or why would I ever commit myself to something that I really don't feel like I'm passionate about? Set my, I set my own tone. That's like my motto. I set my tone. I don't, I don't accept certain things. And whatever it is that I do want, I go after. That's it. I really like that. Um, you. And you were really eloquent the way you described these, um, <laughs> Thank these things. Thank you. What is a day in your life? Like, talk us through a your day, day like a typical day. A typical day, I get up at 5 o'clock, um, get ready. My husband leaves at 5. Um, I get up to go to the gym at 6. I work out with my trainer, or I work out by myself, come back in. My newest thing is making oatmeal. I'm learning how to make oatmeal. Oh, nice. Okay. I don't make, I don't cook, so I'm trying to teach myself little things that I can do instead of waiting for my husband to come home and make me oatmeal. <laughs> Um, I get on the phone. I honestly, I have to listen to my ritual of gospel music to hype me up in the morning. And then of course I answer some emails. I get on the phone. I check with Lucia to see what my schedule is. I drive into the city to work, but I'm on the phone probably for a conference call. And then I wait for my parking spot. Then I go upstairs and I have meetings, 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 breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, dinner meetings, events, all these different things. And it's just all night long. And then I get home probably around 8. I try, I'm try. i trying this new thing to get in bed by 9, 9, 9.30. That's but good. if I have an event, I have to stay out. And I'm miserable. Because I'm an early riser. I am yeah. not a night person. I can get up as early as you want me to, but do not ask me to stay out late. Because I'm like, <laughs> I like coming home. Yeah, you have to pick your poison either the morning or the either night. The mo- it's I'm hard the morning to burn girl. the candle at both ends. Yeah. Um, that's so exciting. So what are your next projects that you have in store? So basically in two weeks we have our women's show. It's okay. going to be, um, at Pier 94, it's capsule and cabana. And then that's our women's market, which is going to be amazing. I'm excited about it. And then after that in October, October 20th and 21st, we have our launch of envision, which is the girls festival that I'm doing. Basically it's for young girls. I want girls of all natures to come out and like celebrate each other. And we have panel discussions happening all day. We have a shop within shops on fashion, beauty, and wellness. And then we have a music component with a lot of talented music people at the end of the night. And I'm excited about it. And that's a two-day festival. And then after that, I'm going to go to Barbados because I'm on the board for the Barbados Passion Council. How awesome. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, so we also bring brands over from Barbados to participate in the shows. That's the, that's the best thing about this job. It's like I get to pick brands that some people may not even look twice at because of whatever they don't look at it. And it's so amazing for me. Like recently, um, I just my girlfriend has this um, fashion event that she does all the time. It's called Harlem's Fashion Row. And it's an amazing event. And I never had a women's show. And she basically has a women's um, It's all women's brands. But it's for African-American designers, and I'm super excited to be able to partner with her now that I have a women's show and put those brands on our show floor. Because these, these brands will never get dis- discovered if, you know, if this is not the case by these stores. 
So that's what I'll be doing for the next couple months. And then hopefully take a holiday for the, with the family for Christmas. That's really awesome. <laughs> um, do you have any other kind of advice about things that young people should not do? Like things that you see or you have seen in your career that don't present in the best way that me- that might be holding people back when they're trying to break into this business. Oh my god, ego. You should not have a big ego. There's things, okay, you should not think that you're good enough or better enough to do something that the other person won't do. It's funny, when we're at the trade show, there's always these things happening. Like, crazy things. Like, the AC could break, or the, the like, myself and Sam, Sam, who would be like out there shirt off trying to fix the problem and he's an owner of something same thing with me i i'm helping stuffing goodie bags i don't think i'm better than employees that work for us right i think that i'm on the same level with them just in a different way i'm not going to make ask them to do something that i wouldn't be asked to do yeah so i think it's more about ego some people going to these jobs like i'm not going to do this or i'm not going to do that it's like dude if you really want the job you're going to do what you got to do yeah. And if you really are passionate about that job, you're going to do what you got to do. Yeah, I think that that comes up a lot in what, in what I do because in medical training, you start out as the intern, which is like the mm-hmm. bottom of the totem pole. Oh, yeah. And you do everything. Like, you you know, the test tube needs to be delivered to that building. You're going to oh, go yeah. run over there. 100%. You, you 20 times. A, you, know, you need to go clean up that floor, then you have to go find a mop. Mm-hmm. Like, like that kind of thing. All and of then, it. And then you can the, figure out. The strongest survive, I'm telling you. And I put yeah. my interns through the ringer. So it's funny. So Lucia, actually, my assistant, was our intern. And she probably will tell you that she went through hell. And she <laughs> stuck it out. And she's like, a, I mean, one of the toughest young girls I know. Like, she stuck it out. And now that she's my assistant, it's so interesting, like, watching her. Because just to see her growth. And the way that she speaks to me is kind of like, okay, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> but she always keeps me in check and she keeps me focused, you know, because I can be all over the place too. I'll be like, oh, the sun and the moon and the, the. and she'll be like, stay focused. Here we go. This is what you got to do today. And she's very thorough. And I love that. And so kudos to her all day long. How do you think digital media and social media have changed fashion? Oh my God. It's changed fashion in such a big way. Before you could like, Okay, so I like it and I don't like it. I'm going to be honest. I like it in the fact that you can see things and you can spread the word faster. I don't like it because there's no more secrets, right? Like, I like the fact that you had to wait to see certain things because it it gave you that buildup. And the anticipation. And the anticipation. Now it's like, if something goes down the runway, I see it already. It might be in the store the next day. It's just like, it's overload and there's no time to appreciate anything. Mm -hmm. Like I want to know that if I buy like a beautiful Celine bag or like, you're going to appreciate it. Not something else is going to come up on top of the Celine bag and trump the Celine bag. And then it's trumping the next thing. It won't even have a moment. It doesn't have a moment. And there's no value in that. Like, I think that, there's so much pressure now to kind of like have the newest. It's like, come on, do you really need all these things? How many different things can come out? How many collaborations can there really be? Like, do you really need all this stuff? No. But it was good when something was classic and it was classic. Yeah. Right? And it's so interesting. And that's a proven fact. When it was classic, think about like, um, they just came back out with that Dior bag. 
That Dior bag was classic. The satchel, uh-huh. now it's coming back out. You know it's a classic bag. Yeah. That's it, right? But now if you had that Dior bag and then you had another bag and then you had another bag, like it's just kind of like, okay, which one is the real, which one is the memorable one? They all can't be memorable. Right. Right? So that's the only thing I don't like. I don't like the oversaturation of things. Like, I want things that are memorable. That you can be like, yo, remember that? Like, look at that. That's a good piece. Well, it's almost like the fashion attention span is, oh my God, is, so is slower. I mean, yeah. it's shorter. Yeah. Where, you know, people will tolerate one item for one minute. That's the thing. <laughs> and they also don't value anything. Yeah. There's no value. People buy things to flip it online. They don't buy it to wear it and appreciate it. You rarely find people doing that now. Yeah. They buy it so that they can, there's all these sneakers and things. They buy it so they can get more money and make money, which is great as an entrepreneur. But like, when you have too much of it, it just becomes like, oh. yeah, like a homework assignment. Yeah. What do you think the next frontier is after Instagram? Oh my God, I think I I personally think that people's attention spans are like next to none, and that's why I'm excited that Instagram did Instagram Stories because people like to tell a story. Yeah. People love to see a story. Think about any show. That's why it's Netflix and all these things work right now. People love stories. And I think that video is going to be huge. And that's why, of course, Instagram is always on top of their game. And they did Insta stories. It makes sense. Yeah. Insta stories, people want to see your It's a little less rehearsed and it's a little bit more. Yeah, it's very like organic. And it's like, I'm here right now, now. Whereas Instagram is like, I'm here, but I'm really not here. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know? Yeah. So it's more like, I'm here, I'm enjoying life. And, this is what I'm doing right now. Hopefully you're enjoying life and you're not Instagramming <laughs> the whole time. But that's what I think is going to be next. I mean, more and more and more. You're going to see more of that. Like, now they have that whole live. So, like, yeah. now you can really just sit there on TV. I know, time. right? It's so... It, to me, Instagram Live creates a little extra anxiety. Like, I like the stories, but whenever I try to do Insta, Insta Live, it's Oh, like I have yet to get on that. Stress. I'm not even going to attempt This could live. be your moment. Oh, my God. I, I can't even attempt it. I'll be too nervous, and then I'll start baffling. I can talk freely like this. Once a camera gets on me, it's, like, horrible. Oh. It's so interesting. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I guess it kind of makes it a different level of... Yeah, rehearsed because you're like, oh my message. God, is my hair okay? It's like, you think about all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Thank you. Know, you. I could talk to you all day because I feel like <laughs> I'm learning all the secrets to fashion, but mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of wrap up and ask you one final question sure. to close, which is, um, you know, this podcast is called Beauty Bosses. It's mm-hmm. about beauty and kind of what it means to create a space in the world of beauty. But fashion is very much about beauty, too. Yes. And I wanted to just ask you what beauty means to you. Beauty means to me love. Beauty is inspiring and love. It's all about love. If you have love in your heart, then you're beautiful. That's what beauty means to me. I love that. That's so <laughs> nice. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, thank Sharifa. Thank you for you're having me. This, this is amazing. So fun. Thank you. People are going to love this. I and, can't um, wait. Yeah. Hope I answered everything okay. You did great. (laughs) Thanks.